0: Hi everyone, and welcome once again to our midweek Bible study. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and I'm so excited to be back with you. We took a week off last week, and we're changing studies today. Begins a brand new study, which I'll tell you about in a minute. I'm just grateful to be with you, and thank you for taking time. Today is Wednesday, April 13th. Welcome to our new seven-week Bible study in the book of Philippians. I'm so excited. It's called Running the Race and we're gonna have a great time over these next seven weeks. Philippians is a letter of joy, and yet this is not joy forged out of privilege and abundance. It's not the joy of people who have no problems to face. This is a joy in the midst of hard situations. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison, and he faces the very real possibility of execution. The Philippian church is confronted with internal dissension and with false teachers who would seduce it away from the gospel. Well, how can you be joyful in that kind of world? How can you call others to joy when you're in prison? The typical Christian today doesn't know how to answer these questions because joy is thought of to be what comes with prosperity and success. Joy is what happens when your church is growing and when its influence is spreading in the community. Joy is the lack of pressure and hardship. Philippians is a letter that helps us to address these questions and experience a joy that is with us in the ups and downs of life. How cool is that? So here's some background to help us set the stage for the study. The book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Philippi, a city in the Roman province of Macedonia, modern Greece. It's eight miles from the Mediterranean Sea in a fertile area known for its freshwater springs and gold mines. Philip II, the king of Macedonia, founded Philippi about 360 BC, so that he could mine its gold in order to finance his army. The city was named for Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. As a result of Rome's conquests, Philippi came under Roman rule in 168 BC. After a while, it became a Roman colony. This meant that to live in Philippi was like living in Rome itself. At the time of Paul, the citizens of Philippi were mostly Roman though there were some Greeks and a few Jews, and they were very proud of their city and its special tie to Rome. The church at Philippi was founded during Paul's second missionary journey. Paul had a vision, as recorded in Acts 16, in which a man from Macedonia beckoned him to come over and help us. Paul did just that. He sailed almost immediately from Asia, and after two days arrived at the Macedonian seaport of Neapolis. Paul and his party then pressed on to the city of Philippi, to begin work. Paul joined a group of women who met on the Sabbath by the banks of the Gangites to recite prayers. There he met Lydia, a successful merchant whose business was trading in the purple cloth for which her hometown of Thyatira was famous. She listened to Paul's message, and she was converted along with her entire household. They were the first European Christians. Lydia was not Jewish, but was a God-fearer, that is, a Gentile, who participated in Jewish worship. Her house became the center of missionary activity in Philippi. But Paul soon ran into trouble in Philippi. He cast out a demon from a fortune-telling slave girl, and she promptly lost her ability to predict the future. This outraged her owners, who saw that they stood to lose a great deal of money now that the girl was free from the bondage of the demon. So they had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. After an earthquake during the night, Their jailer, along with his entire household, were saved because he heard the gospel message. Then the magistrates discovered that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. The magistrates ordered that they be released and told Paul and Silas to leave the city. So they left Philippi, leaving behind them the first European church. So that's a little background to help us as we begin. The relationships we have with family members and friends are one of the joys that get us through our journey in life. Today, we're beginning our journey through Philippians, and one thing we're going to see is the love Paul had for the friends he made as he spread the gospel. Let's get started with some opening questions. Here's our first one. If you could pick just one person from your childhood to thank God for, other than those in your immediate family, who would it be? And what would you especially thank God for in this person? For me, I don't even have to think twice about this It would be my high school choir director, Mr. Coppage. I just thank the Lord for putting that man in my life. Because first and foremost, he believed in me as a young boy. Coming into high school, we only had a three-year high school. So grades 10, 11, and 12. So I come in there about 15 years old, and I didn't know much about anything. I thought I did, but I didn't. And this man just loved on me. He cared for me. And as a result of that, he helped develop my musical ability, especially my singing voice. And I am today, and I'm able to do today what I can in large part because of his very early influence. Question two, how well do you communicate with people you care about, but that live far from you? And I want you to rate yourself on a scale of one to ten. One being, I'm so bad that my loved ones think I'm dead to ten, I make phone calls to discuss the emails I wrote explaining what I said in my text. (laughs) For me, my answer would clearly be a 10, LOL. I know it's overkill, but I'd rather it be overkill than the silence for me not trying to communicate at all. Our final opening question. If you could send a letter or email to someone you grew up with, who would you want to send it to? And what would you say? There are two men, actually, I would send a letter to, or an email to. They would be Billy and Howard. Billy was my next-door neighbor from birth to 21, and Howard was my very dear friend from fifth grade on. To both of these wonderful men, I would just say, thank you, and I love you. Paul was a prolific letter writer, and his letters Almost always started out the same way. He thanked God for the people to whom he was writing. His letter to the Philippians is perhaps the best example of this because this church held such a special place in his heart. Looking at what he wrote reminds us of how important it is to affirm the people we care about and the relationship we have with them. With that in mind, I want you to open up your Bible or Bible apps. To Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the first 11 verses today. And while you're doing that, while you're turning there, I want you to take note of how Paul prays for the Philippians. Are you ready? Philippians 1 verses 1 to 11. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Jesus Christ, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And all God's people said, Amen to the reading of his word right on let's get to some study questions shall we question number one what is one word you would use to best describe how paul begins this letter one word for instance would you say it's touching maybe you'd call it mushy maybe personal or how about maybe describe it as sugar sweet or uplifting or something what one word would you use to best describe how paul begins this letter I would say the word would definitely be personal, but also heartfelt and sincere. They're right up there as well. Question two, if someone from your past wrote a letter like this to you, what would your first reaction be? Maybe you'd be like some, they'll be like, well, what do you want from me? Or maybe it's like, oh, I'm not that important, am I? Or maybe you might say, it's really nice of them to say that, you know. Or maybe there's some other kind of response. What would be your first reaction? My first reaction would probably depend on the person and what relationship I had with them, as well as what I thought of them. Now, that said, I believe I would, at least I hope I would answer something to the effect that, wow, it's really nice to hear from him or her. It's really nice of them to say that. I really appreciate that. I hope I would say that. How about you? All right. Number three. Verse three reads, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. The question I have for you regarding this verse is this. Why does Paul take such care to begin this letter by telling the Philippians how much he thanks God for them? And what effect do you think such an expression had on the church in Philippi? I think that Paul began his letter this way because the Philippian church had brought him a lot of joy and not a lot of pain. Some of the churches had developed severe problems, and Paul's letters had focused on dealing with those problems. Though Paul did address some concerns he had, this letter was a beautiful thank you note for their unwavering support. As for the effect of this letter that it had on the church, I believe they were greatly encouraged, and it spurred them on to continue in their work for the Lord. Amen. Number four, take a look at verses six and then 9 through 11, verse 6, and then verses 9 through 11. Verse 6 reads, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. And then verses 9 and 10 say, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So there's those verses, verse 6 and verses 9 through 11. Here's the question. According to these verses, how is God at work in a believer's life, number one? And number two, how does this make you feel about the uncertainties in your own life? Let's talk about the first part of that. First of all, Paul was certain, or sure, he was absolutely confident that God was continually at work transforming the lives of the Philippians, and that is true for believers today. These verses describe a process of Christian growth and maturity that begins when people accept Jesus. Romans 8, verses 28 to 39, says that nothing in this life or after death can stop God's good work in us. As for me personally, this brings me great comfort. I have uncertainties about myself. Perhaps you do too. And sometimes I'm in doubt. These verses remind me to be patient and that God is not finished with me yet. Maybe you need to hear that today, beloved. No matter what you're going through, no matter what doubt you might have, God is not finished with you yet. And for me, I need to remind myself through these verses that I should continue to live a pure and blameless life. That is involving the things that I say and think and do. And I can only do that through Christ's presence in my life. Question five. On a scale of one to ten, one being easy, ten being hard, how difficult is it for you to express your feelings like Paul did here? As I was growing up, it would definitely be a 10, really hard for me to express my feelings like Paul did. But thanks in large part to my mom, I learned that sharing my feelings was actually a strength and not a weakness. So I can say that today, I would definitely rate myself a one that it's easier for me to express my feelings than ever. Question six. Who was an Apostle Paul in your spiritual life? The person who introduced you to Jesus Christ and cared about your spiritual growth. Well, I was first introduced to Jesus Christ by James Mobley in 1978 while we were both in the military, stationed overseas in South Korea. But I met my first Paul, if you will, on the island of Guam in 1983. His name is Pastor Roman Pell, and he is still to this day a major spiritual influence in my life and I am grateful. Question seven, if you could have a spiritual encourager like Paul or Paulette write you a letter right now, what do you need to hear most from him or her? Do you need to be assured that you're doing something right? Maybe you need to be assured that the gospel is true and the truth of the gospel is real. Maybe you need the assurance that God's really in control. Or perhaps you need a vision or assurance of a vision for what God's calling you to do. What would it be if you could have a spiritual encourager write you a letter right now? What would you need to hear most from him or her? I had to think a lot about this one because I'd like to hear a lot of things, actually. But I would like to hear more about the vision for what God is calling me to do. But with a more specific focus. Specifically, a vision for what God is calling our church to do. But also a vision for what God's calling me to do. I'm not saying that's not important either. Yes, he has me pastoring a church for which I am and always will be grateful. But I wonder, is there more? Especially, personally speaking. And I'm not looking for grandeur or glory. I'm just wondering, God, is there something more? Maybe that's where you are too. Our last question for today. Number eight, how well is your church doing at showing the kind of affirming love that Paul shows here in Philippians 1? For those of you who are listening or watching that attend Word of Hope Christian Church, how well are we doing at showing the kind of affirming love that Paul shows here in Philippians 1? That's the first part. The second part is, what does the church need to do to be more positive in how it deals with the people? This is a gutsy question, folks, because We need to be able to communicate our feelings and our thoughts on this to our church leadership. And so I hope that your respective churches are open to your feedback. I want to be open to the feedback from folks at word of hope. So here's my answer. I think for the most part, the people at word of hope are showing this kind of affirming love. They do it in a variety of ways. They can do it with words. They do it with deeds, but they always do it in prayer. But we can always do more. We can always do better. We are not close to arriving yet at any point. It's easy to affirm people who we like, who we call, who we text or email or visit. But we need to do better at affirming those who don't attend regularly or are homebound, those who we're not particularly close with. And that requires us to step out of our respective comfort zones, which can be a real challenge for many. But I hope for you and your church that they're doing a good job of affirming the love that Paul shows here. We can all do better. Well, that brings us to the end of our questions today. A little shorter study today, but still one with great impact, I think, on this opening 11 verses of chapter one. Let me recap for you what we've talked about. Today, we've looked at the positive spirit with which Paul opened this letter and what it says to us About being positive with each other. Next week, we'll be back continuing in Philippians 1 with verses 12 to 26. I'd encourage you to read on ahead and study the rest of this chapter, and we'll consider the tough things that Paul was going through and how he saw them as serving to advance the gospel. It's going to be a great time. I hope you'll join us again. Thanks for taking time. We appreciate you so much. If you need to hear the message on Sunday and you're not able to plug into your local church, the message will be right here on this media platform, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless you. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church, real people, a real God, real hope.